You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hi, and welcome to The Good GP, the education podcast for busy GPs. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands upon which we're meeting. I'm on Wajak country, part of the Noongar Nation, and I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Right, let's get to today's episode. We're discussing the detection of cardiac problems using wearables. My guest today is Dr. Lauren Chung, the Senior Manager on the clinical team at Apple. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tim. I'm so excited to be here with you today. <laughs> okay, we're talking about wearables and Apple Watch. Um, so we're now starting to see more people presenting to their GP with prompts from their smartwatch. Talk us through some of the cardiovascular features that are available on Apple Watch. Yeah, we love hearing that our products are helping people become more engaged with their health. So really excited to hear stories of how folks are bringing the Apple Watch and the information that they're getting from that to their physicians. And I like to think of the cardiovascular features we have really thinking through three different features or or, or kind of areas of heart health. The first is about heart rate. The second is about heart rhythm. And the third is about cardiovascular fitness. So it all started for us when we developed the heart rate sensor on the watch. And we started to notice that people are really tracking their heart rate. And from that, we decided to develop the high and low heart rate notifications, which are these notifications that tell a user that their heart rate has been too high or kind of too low for a prolonged period of time at rest. And the goal there is really just to help people understand a change that they might be having in their heart rate that might be significant. As you and I both know, when you've got a heart rate that's up to over 120 beats per minute for a prolonged period of time, you know, that's something that you probably should go and have a conversation with your doctor about. And we did find that people were using that and getting diagnosed with all sorts of conditions like sepsis uh, or GI bleeds, really with the heart rate being the first sign. And that inspired us to do more. And that's how we got into heart rhythm. So, you know, we moved from heart rate to heart rhythm, and we now have three medically regulated features that look at heart rhythm. Uh, The first is the irregular rhythm notification. This is a feature that is available to those without a diagnosis of AFib. And what it does is it uses our optical heart rate sensor to check for any kind of abnormal heart rhythms. And it monitors that uh, in the background opportunistically when someone is still enough and goes through a confirmation cycle to then determine if someone has signs that may be suggestive of an abnormal heart rhythm like AFib and provides them with a notification. We also have the ECG app, which is for anyone, regardless of whether or not they have AFib or not. And what they can do is they can place their finger on the crown of the watch and take a 30-second single-lead ECG. And they get a classification with that ECG that tells them if they're in sinus rhythm, an atrial fibrillation, if there's an inconclusive category where we just can't quite determine what it is, and then if it is something where it might be unreadable and they might need to do another reading. The last in the heart rhythm category is AFib history. So if you are someone who has AFib, you might be curious to understand how your lifestyle factors impact how often you're in AFib. And so that feature really helps to users understand if they are sleeping in a way that might be causing increased episodes of AFib or if their activity might be contributing to AFib. Now, the third category is cardiovascular fitness, and that feature is 
VO2 max and helping a user understand what their VO2 max is. As you know, that's something that usually is only available in a clinical or laboratory setting. And so we've been really excited to take that and bring that to the user uh, directly from on their wrist when they go and they take a walk. Fantastic. So you've got a range of features that range between things for athletes and then everyday things that, that patients might be interested in, like picking up fibrillation and irregular heartbeat, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the ECG app and irregular rhythms notifications. What warnings do patients get and how can they um, convey that to their GP if they do get a notification? Yeah. Now, as mentioned, both of these are medically regulated apps. So we went through extensive clinical validation to better understand and, and make sure that these features work as described. And one thing that was really important to us is to have our users understand the importance of atrial fibrillation in the first place and how these features work. So before anyone uses these features, they actually go through an onboarding process that explains how the feature works, what it's looking for, and what it can and cannot do. And we have educational articles that accompany it in the health app, which are reviewed by clinical team members like myself, which explain just more about those various areas of health like AFib. So I described a little bit already about who the irregular rhythm notification and the ECG app are for. Let me go into a little bit more detail. I'll start with the ECG app this time. So the user can put their finger on the crown and then take that 30 second single lead ECG and that spits out a classification. In addition to the rhythm classification, a user can actually record symptoms that they may be experiencing when they take that ECG. And all of that information can then be exported into a PDF that can then be shared with the physician. And each of the classifications when a user gets one provides them with some information on what action they may want to take. For example, that it might be time to speak to a physician. For the irregular rhythm notification, what happens is a user will get a notification on the watch that tells them that they we've detected signs of an irregular rhythm that might be suggestive of atrial fibrillation. And in that case, we do recommend that they go and speak to a physician. Uh, and that's because the confirmation cycle and the way that we do that ensures that this is not something that has been fleeting that we've picked up. It's actually something that we captured over multiple cycles. Yeah, that, that's a really comprehensive explanation. So the warning sort of shows and the patient gets informed and then they can sort of book in with their physician to actually sort of check it out and uh, convey that information on. Let's talk about the medical data behind the irregular rhythms notification, Lauren. How accurate is an irregular notifications warning or prompt? Yeah, that's such a good question, and I'm glad that you asked it. We spend a lot of time ensuring that everything we do is based in science, and we spend months and years analyzing and testing data before a feature is released to the public. And the irregular rhythm notification is a great example of this. We have clinicians like myself who've been involved right from the begin beginning uh, in the development of all of our health features. And through that, they've kind of taken that and work with the engineering and design teams to ensure that it is accurate. So our current irregular rhythm notification feature does have a sensitivity of 88.6% 
in AFib detection and a specificity of 99.3%. And as mentioned, these features go through a confirmation cycle. And so users only receive that notification if five out of the six sequential tachygram readings they get show an irregular rhythm that is suggestive of AFib. And I want to back up there because I don't think I described tachygram yet. So the way this works is the Apple Watch has an optical heart rate sensor that when you're at risk, rest occasionally turns on and takes a small look at your heart rate. And if it sees that that looks like an irregular rhythm, it then triggers a cascade of what we call confirmation cycles. So it will take five additional readings over the span of the next couple of days. And if five out of six of those end up showing that there are signs of potentially atrial fibrillation, it then sends that notification to a user. And so while we develop this, uh, we did studies to develop this PPG-based detection algorithm and to evaluate algorithm performance across a variety of different conditions and user behaviors, like deep breathing, traveling in a car, hand tremors or motion, reduced wrist or hand perfusion, overnight wear, or if you were having some other type of, of rapid heart rate. For validation purposes, we took over 1 million tachygrams from over 1,000 subjects, including over 50% of them being women, with varying skin types and tones, and we used that to analyze the data. And then once we were confident in our accuracy, we then moved to clinical validation with the Apple Heart Study. So the Apple Heart Study was a study which was one of the largest digital health studies of its kind, enrolled over 400,000 participants, and was a prospective single arm pragmatic study that we conducted virtually to really evaluate the ability of the Apple Watch based irregular pulse notification algorithm to identify arrhythmia as suggestive of AFib. And so in the study, again, if a user met that five out of six threshold and received an iPhone or Apple Watch notification, they had the option to contact a telehealth study doctor and then receive an ambulatory ECG patch. And so those numbers that I mentioned were our performance against that ECG patch. That's really great. So a lot of data there from large numbers of patients and then confirmed by way of backing up on a, on a 24-hour monitor. We had participants wear it for over seven days. Yeah, that, that's really impressive. So really quite high sensitivity and specificity rates there, Lauren. You mentioned a lot of variables that you sort of controlled for and looked at as sort of potential factors that might affect accuracy. Did you find anything that, that affected the accuracy of the irregular rhythms notification, things like uh, high resting heart rate or body habitus or um, skin pigmentation? It's a great question. We are extremely intentional in the design of our features, and we strongly believe that reliable and trustworthy results for a broad range of users in a variety of conditions is paramount. So I know I mentioned this, but during development, we did evaluate algorithm performance in a variety of common situations. And so the team put a lot of effort into identifying what we call these kind of aggressor states and then tested against those. So that includes things like deep breathing, riding in a car, hand tremors, as mentioned, wrist perfusions. We even sent people to cold rooms or to cold places of the planet 
to really understand the signals a little bit better. And we also included a broad range of participants in the clinical validation study, including a broad representation across skin tones, age, BMI, race, and sex. Now, that's because we believe that everyone really does deserve reliable insights from their Apple Watch, and that's what we aim to offer. Great. In addition to accuracy, how does Apple think about privacy of of patient data? Privacy is so core to our work at Apple. And so you're probably seeing this happen with your patients, which is that they're becoming increasingly concerned. We're, We're hearing about the privacy of their health data. And we believe that our users should expect the same confidentiality from their technology as they do from their doctor. And that's why privacy is so fundamental to everything we make in the health space and beyond. So we know as providers that patients are coming to us and telling us about very sensitive topics, sometimes things they've never told anyone else about. And they do that because they know that they can trust us. And we carry that same responsibility that providers have in keeping their patients' data safe to how we look at protecting our users' health data. Um, It's never an afterthought. It's something that we design right from the beginning into the feature. And so we have a privacy engineer as part of the feature development team who's helping to guide how we build this right from the beginning. That's because we believe that your data is yours alone and you should be able to trust that this really sensitive personal information is under your control at all times. You get to decide what you want to share, who you want to share it with, and you have the ability to stop sharing it at any time. And empowering our users with their health information really should mean that they're also in control of that information. Getting back to the clinical issues with AF detection, Lauren, one question a cardiology colleague asked me was whether we have any outcome data for early detection of AF from uh, wearables like Apple Watch. The question was really based on whether detecting very infrequent AF, you know, perhaps early on in the course, actually change clinical risk of things like stroke um, or other cardiac outcomes. It's such a great question. Now, the features like ECG app and the irregular rhythm notification have only been around for five years. And There are numerous studies ongoing in the community right now looking to answer some of those questions. And that's one of the things that we find so exciting about these features that we're making is that they really do have the ability to help researchers advance the science. Now, I want to share a couple of different uh, things that we're hearing, both from the medical community as well as our consumers or our customers. So anecdotally, we do continue to hear from people that once they saw their physician after getting an irregular rhythm notification or seeing an ECG that said that they have AFib, they were told that if they hadn't come in at that time, they may have had a very different outcome. And a lot of times those are folks who have AFib with RVR who are feeling a little bit off but have you know, not really paid attention to those symptoms very heavily. Now, in terms of the research community and the medical community, We've got this study that we are collaborating with Johnson & Johnson on. Um, It's called the Heartline Study, and it's currently ongoing. Now, that study has a study app that is paired with the ECG app and the irregular rhythm notification features on the Apple Watch. And they're looking to see if 
education paired with these features can reduce the likelihood of stroke and whether or not they can improve health outcomes with earlier detection of AFib. But I do want to touch on an area of study that I think is actually really interesting that's coming out of Stanford. And so Marco Perez over at Stanford has been doing some really interesting work and in looking at the detection of atrial fibrillation in younger patients. Something that he just told me the other day is that AFib in patients under 45 is never normal. And what they're seeing is that the patients who are young who are coming in with the irregular rhythm notification and then going through a workup are actually patients who on the surface may look like they are healthy. You know, they might get an echo that looks normal, but when they look deeper and they do something like a cardiac MRI, they're finding that they actually have signs of cardiomyopathy, an undetected cardiomyopathy. Uh, and so they're able to start treating them and working them up and understanding their health better. And I think that's just one of the really exciting pieces of work that we're seeing starting to come out um, of the irregular rhythm notification and ECG features. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, what's so interesting is it's actually collecting, you know, there's data being collected all the time. So it's evolving as that data comes in. Absolutely. Lauren, it's obviously a rapidly evolving field. Uh, What do you see as the future for wearables, biometrics and disease detection? What a fun question. This is something that I think so many of us are thinking about. I'll tell you my personal take on this question as a physician and researcher in the field. You know, in the medical field, we're already starting to see the shift from population health to personalized health. And that's really been powered by access to a increasing amount of data, especially data collected outside of clinical settings. So traditionally, Research has always been done where we use large-scale studies that look at large populations of people and pull out insights that apply across that broad range of people. But I'm sure you would agree with this. It's unlikely that you and I have to do the exact same things for our health. I bet there's no instance in which you and I should be doing the exact same amount of exercise or eating amount, the exact same types of food, or even sleeping the same amount. And so I think what we're going to see is the shift in the way that we think about population health and moving it to personalized health. And the fact that devices like the Apple Watch and the data that they capture will enable researchers to make those discoveries, but it also help individuals understand what is the right thing for them. Yes, so there's a, a, a world of personalised healthcare that's coming from wearables ahead. Starting place for that. Yes, absolutely. Lauren, that's been so interesting and really helpful. It's provided a lot of information about what's happening with patients and their Apple Watch when they come in with notifications. I really do thank you for your time this morning and have a great day. Thank you so much, Tim. The Good GP is produced and edited by the team at RACGPWA. If you've got any questions or would like to contact The Good GP, please feel free to email us at thegoodgp at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.